So, you survived Christmas. Maybe. <laughs> I noticed that this morning there are a lot of people who seemed a little subdued. Maybe it was too many turkey dinners. Maybe it's not quite enough sleep. And somebody is nodding. Yes, maybe not quite enough sleep. Too many pajama parties. Is that what it is? <laughs> Too many visits. But in any case, we're thankful for those special times that God gives us. Let me tell you that we enjoyed as a family a tremendous time of just enjoying being together. As Michelle and I were driving down to be at our oldest son's, who is hosting this year, my wife Michelle simply said, you know, what a privilege we have to be in a family that gets along. But I think that most of us know that we don't just get along, that it actually takes some intentionality to get along. And so that was part of our intention, intentionality. And that is indeed what the Lord enables us to do in, I think, a very, very extraordinary way. And so this morning, which is my last sermon this year, <laughs> my last sermon to you all, because... Uh, we're transitioning, you're transitioning, and I've appreciated my time with you immensely. The only part of this experience that I've not enjoyed is, is a little bit lengthy drive, especially on certain days, because there are things like snow squalls and blizzards and whiteouts and slippery roads and those kinds of things. And so I will not miss that part at all, I can assure you. So maybe God in his mercy is going to spare me. <laughs> but it is my desire to focus on a prayer that we find in God's word. In Paul's words, in the letter to the Romans this morning, and maybe that will help us as we look forward into 2020. And we talk about the 2020 vision, right? And do you ever wonder what that is? It's supposed to be what you can see at 20 feet that a normal person can't. So <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means, but that's apparently the definition of 2020 vision. But we want a 2020 vision for 2020 that is maybe a little different. Now, as we look ahead, we of course look back and we sometimes say something like that hindsight is 2020. Ever say that? Yeah, except it isn't. It depends whether or not we actually are able to discern what was happening. And sometimes we're so encumbered with our habits of mind, our ways of looking things, that we just misinterpret what we've experienced, you see? And sometimes it's the hard things that we misinterpret. Sometimes it's the good things that we misinterpret. 
And so I'm going to once again point you in a direction that you all know because we've talked about this virtually every Sunday, that there is only one way in which to look properly, not only backwards, but forwards. Renewing our vision. You know, the children of Israel wandered the desert for how long? 40 years, a whole generation. And while they were in the desert, you remember what they complained about? They couldn't eat their leeks and garlics that they used to grow back in the gardens in Egypt along the Nile. And God provided something for them. You remember what it was? Okay, what was it called? Manna. And you are speaking Hebrew when you say manna. And you know what manna means? Watch this. <laughs> because they didn't know what it was. But it was how God fed them. And you remember these specific directions that God gave? Gather enough for each day. Because if you gather more than enough, what will happen to the extra? It'll go bad. The only day that you're going to uh, gather twice as much will be on the Sabbath because God was impressing upon them the importance of a day of rest that reflects on the way in which God created us all. And so what we need is to remember that we are called upon to renew ourselves daily in our walk with the Lord. Yesterday's manna won't do for today. Doesn't matter how many years you've walked with the Lord, none of that counts if today you don't eat what you need to eat. Spiritually, we need to feed on the Lord. Okay? And so... There are a couple of key things about vision. Always keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes high. And always look at others through the eyes of Jesus. Now, if you remember that, you'll know virtually everything I'm going to say next. All right? And that's pretty good advice. Except we don't do this really well, right? And that's why we need daily renewal in our practice. We're looking at Romans 15 to help us today. And in verse 5, Paul says, May God give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, as it is in the New International Version or New, New American Standard. Now may God grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Or the New Living Translation that we read that's in your non-pew Bible. How did you say it this morning? You said it so well. No, you didn't say it like that. You said it in a really nice way. But anyway, may God help you to live in what? Complete harmony. So do you see the phrases there? Complete harmony, have a spirit of unity, being of the same mind together. However we choose to express it in English, the idea is that this is Paul's prayer because it is extremely, extremely important. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important 
is unity, is harmony. Now let me ask you, if there's a squabble at home, do you want to go home? No. If there's conflict at work, do you want to show up at work? No. If there's trouble in the church, do you want to show up? No. Why? Because unity is so important. And it's important to God and it's important for us. And it has to do with what we do with our minds. Let's understand that we are an integral being. We aren't bits and pieces that we can cut up. And so when we're talking about the mind, to think the same way together, this is the same thing as having harmony, the same thing as having unity. Now I want to say that disunity is not new. Here we are reading something that is 2,000 years old. And you know what they were experiencing? Disunity. How do we know that? Because Paul wouldn't have brought it up if there weren't disunity. And in fact, in chapter 14, we know what they were squabbling about. You see, there is a congregation because God is pulling together Gentiles and Jews. Jews had special food laws. And they thought to be spiritual, you needed to keep those food laws. The Gentiles didn't think that. And they ate strange things like squid and clams and oysters and who knows what all else. I understand that in places like Mongolia, they will actually eat the pads of camel's feet. Did you hear about that? Anybody know about that? By personal experience? Anyway, it was described as something like eating... Oh, I forget what it was. It was terrible. Anyway, <laughs> But... Let's understand that the Paul is saying it really doesn't matter. So go, going back into chapter 14 for a minute, he says, Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. This is verse 16 of chapter 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Themes that we'll pick up again in chapter 15, you see? And so we are talking about this reality that we all live with. And I've likened disunity to be like the common cold. Anybody got a cold right now? Yes, I don't want to shake your hand. All right. Now, are any of us immune to the cold? No, to the common cold? No, we all get it. So let's stop being surprised when disunity shows up. That's just the reality of our life on this earth because as Rob properly prayed, we are not perfect. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And every time that we think we're so good, all we need to do is think about our standard. 
against which we benchmark. And that standard is the life of Jesus. I'm learning to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character. And guess what? We don't measure up. Thankfully, that's not the end of the story. There's good news that we are being transformed into his image as we continue to yield to the power of his spirit. And recognize that we are all carriers of this disunity germ. So let's be prepared to take the right steps. So Romans 15 is a good place to get some instruction. The only question is, will we apply it? And will we apply it every day? You see? Now, in this slide, you will see a sign that's analogous to the signs that are in our washrooms right now in this building, right? Where you're reminded to do what? Wash your hands, all right? Not a difficult thing. And the question is, when it comes to spreading germs, the common cold, are you part of the problem or part of the solution? If you don't wash your hands, guess what? You are part of the problem because you are not immune from cold germs. How many people does it take to spread a cold virus? One. I don't want to be that person. How about you? And so when it comes to disunity, let's choose intentionally not to be the person who spreads disunity. Now, what are some of the things that we say? I'm too old for such nonsense. Ever hear, hear that? So I don't wash my hands. I don't get sick. Not caring whether or not you're actually... Ben, you've heard that kind of thing? You're laughing. That tells me something. Okay. Or, I don't have any germs. I know better anyway. So don't give me that guff. We find all kinds of ways to minimize clear, simple, proven instructions. We do the same thing with the Word of God. We do the same thing with the Word of God. Otherwise, we wouldn't experience disunity, lack of harmony. You see? And so the question is, will we do it? By the way, do you want the surgeon who opens you up to do so with unwashed hands? We understand how important it really is when we think of it in those terms, don't we? So, let's begin with verse 1. So we're going to have a little bit of a race here because we're going to go through 13 verses pretty fast. Are you ready? Kathy, are you ready? You listening carefully? You ready to go? All right, and you'll see that he begins, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. Now, many of us think that we're pretty strong spiritually, you see? But let me say, if you look down your nose at others, you are not strong. You're actually infected with the virus very deeply. If you are always right and others always wrong, you got the same issue. 
if the problem is always somebody else, you got the virus. There are two clues to being strong in this verse. You put up with the failings of the weak. Who likes to do that? I sure don't. And so what do I pray? This really complicated prayer. Lord, help. And, of course, the second clue is pleasing our neighbors for their good to build them up. What I do and say that builds others up shows my strength. When I choose not to, then I am actually demonstrating spiritual weakness. I am infected by the virus. I am spreading disunity. You know, when I came uh, back November 1st, my first Sunday was November the 3rd last year, you remember how I encouraged everybody to learn one another's names? Okay? Now you've had 13 months. How you doing? Okay? And you say, what's that got to do with unity? Well, it's got everything with learning the reality of building unity. You see, we build each other up as we learn our names. You understand what I'm saying? This is practical. And so we are called to do this every day. If you walk in and you walk out, you don't know anybody else, you are not building unity. All right, strong. Now, the irony is that when we feel that we are superior, that we are the ones who have it together, we've actually slipped off the other side. It's like standing on the peak of a roof, you see. I'm going to tell you about Mr. Gray who became Mr. Green. This is a true story. Mr. Gray was an interesting, quirky little fella I knew him when he was already in his 70s, and he ran a small mission in the town of Little Current. And uh, to supplement his income, he would do odd jobs. And he and another man were painting the roof of a barn. That was the job they had. And they were using green paints. So Richard was working on the one side of the roof. Now, they, they were tied to a rope, okay? Just so, so you know that. And Mr. Gray was working on the other side. And Richard and Mr. Gray, who was a very quiet man anyway, were, would have conversation, you see. But after a while, Richard wasn't hearing anything from Mr. Gray. So what he did was he untied himself, climbed down, and went around to the other side of the building to see where Mr. Gray was. And you know what? He found Mr. Gray hanging from the rope, and all the paint bucket was spilled all over him, and Mr. Gray was Mr. Green that day. Now, Mr. Gray was so embarrassed by this happening that he did not say a peep, you see. And he would have hung there maybe till the day he died. 
because he was so embarrassed, you see. And sometimes we are kind of like that, that we just don't want to own up about where we really are spiritually, you see. And we are satisfied to think, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And we always choose somebody who is weaker than we are in that area. Because we like to stand in our high spot, you see. So the Lord Jesus actually taught about this in Luke 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Understand, tax collectors were considered the scum of the earth. I don't know what you think of the tax collectors. Now, I'll leave that between you and God. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank thank you that I am not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Hey, let's sign him up, right? But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I suggested to you it's important to look at others through the eyes of Jesus. But how about if we look at ourselves through the eyes of Jesus? What do we discover? I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I'm no better than anybody else. Is that the truth? Okay. Okay. So let's emphasize one more thing as we finish up for this year and look into the new year. Let's watch what we say. Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. I want that to be me. How about you? The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. And understand the connection between the heart and what we say. Okay? It's a pretty good connector where we are and whether or not we are sowing the germs of disunity. Okay? We're not immune to it. It's not done once and for all. All of us are potential carriers. That's why we need to keep short accounts with our God. Proverbs 12, reckless words pierce like a sword. True? True. Some of us are still carrying things that were said to us when we were kids. Isn't that true? And the evil one comes to us in our weak moments and reminds us of these things. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So if we're going to do something about disunity, if we're going to be positive about building each other up, it's got 
to be about the things and we say and how we say them to one another. Bring healing. Now this is your privilege and mine. Your responsibility and mine. To be strong in this way. To be like Jesus. Let's recognize we all mess up. Okay? But don't stand on it. Don't say... I'm not going to apologize. You apologize. You get past that. You move on. That's how we help one another. And you see, it all comes back to the example of Jesus. Verse 3, even Christ didn't please himself. As the scripture says, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. The Messiah, that's what Christ means, did not please himself. It was never me, me, me with Jesus. How often is it me, me, me? Too often. Jesus focuses on pleasing his Father and doing good to others. We're going to be like Jesus. We're going to follow Jesus. That's where our focus is. Amen? You're a quiet bunch this morning. I need a little bit more encouragement. Uh, you want me to preach faster? I might also preach longer. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and you see, Jesus didn't fuss over the hurts that people sent his way. And there's more hurts that he experienced than any of us have. Where's our focus? Loving Jesus, serving others together. What a beautiful vision that God has given here on chapel. Loving Jesus, serving others together. That kind of sounds like something we're talking about in Romans 15, doesn't it? Let's accept the truth in Scripture about our own neediness, that we're all carriers of the disunity bug. And when we accept that, then there's in fact a way to address it and to renew hope and encouragement in our lives. So we come to verse 5 that I've focused on. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a prayer that Paul prays for the Romans to have a oneness of mind, to have a unity, to have complete harmony. Now, God is the one who gives perseverance and encouragement. We need God's grace for this to happen. And we need to be proactive in saying, Lord, help me. I don't naturally like that person. You know anybody like that? Yeah, we all do. But in Christ, we have the capacity to build rather than to tear down. So let's not give up. God will help us to do what we cannot do ourselves. Do you believe that? Because if you don't, you're in the wrong place. Okay? 
If you haven't experienced that yet, now's the time to start this journey of experiencing the power of God in your life. Oneness is according to Christ Jesus. That's what literally it says in the Greek. And um, several of the translations say this is about following Jesus. Some of you will already know the way of Jesus saying, number three, I'm learning to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character. You focus there, you're in a good place. And of course, the purpose of unity, it brings glory to the Father and the Lord Jesus. We know what disunity does. It dishonors God, doesn't it? So let's appreciate how important it is. I'm learning to be like Jesus. So verse 7, so here's the crunch. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. How did Christ accept you? How did he accept me? With open arms. Receive me as I am. Now loves me too much to leave me that way. Praise God. But receives me just the way I am. Is that how we receive one another? Accept one another. That means to be proactive in welcoming others into our homes, into our gatherings, everywhere. You see, that's what it is to be proactive, to accept one another. And a Christ is our example in this. Christ became a servant of all in order to include and invite not only Jews, but Gentiles. Any Gentiles here? Praise God. He included us too. More to the prayer, verse 13. So we're skipping down, so we might actually make uh, pretty good progress. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been saying something about this all along, right? We can't do it ourselves, right? He is the God of hope. When we stop hoping, we stop experiencing joy and peace. True? It is true. By trusting Him, we experience joy and peace. And that means that we need to accept His view of how we treat others. And we need to treat others accepting them, including and inviting them just the way Christ has welcomed us. This is life in the power of God's Spirit. God's Spirit will help us to live a life like Jesus. He won't help us to live a life that we choose, but rather a life that is like His. And so then there is a whole cascade of joy and peace and hope, and on and on it goes. And it's hard to figure out which comes first because it's all jumbled together in a beautiful, empowering way. Recognize that disunity causes loss of hope, loss of trust, loss of peace, loss of joy. Is that true? We know that. So let's not go there. Let's deal with the disunity bug. Now I'm going to say one more thing. You are looking for a new lead pastor. 
you're doing that, that is good. Pastors are part of the way in which God organizes the body of Christ, okay? But let's recognize that a new pastor is no cure to disunity. That bug is in us. It doesn't matter how many times the pastor metaphorically washes his hands, we got to wash our hands too, you see? He can't wash his, his hands on your behalf. You need to do your part, you see? So, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for a bit, because the same theme is being picked up. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see that? By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony. Hey, doesn't that sound like Romans 15? Yeah. To live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of what? One mind. United. Oh, there's another word. In thought and purpose. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I'm a follower, I follow Paul. Others, I follow Peter. And, of course, the really spiritual say, I follow Christ, in a condescending way, which means you're not following Christ, right? So Paul, a little bit later, after he's done some more teaching, verse chapter 3 says, When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, Aren't you acting just like the people of the world? You see? So what we have done is imported a perspective, a way of looking at each other that is out there, that is not from Christ. You see? And so this has got to do with whether or not we're going to choose daily to be obedient to Christ in these things. And so the remedy to Disunity is I embrace my duty and privilege as a follower of Jesus to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behaviors, and character, depending on his spirit, serving others. That's where it is. Nothing else. So I ask you again, are you part of the problem or part of the solution? Well, the reality is we're kind of both, right? But where we spend most of our time is pretty important. Okay? So wash regularly. Admit that you are still learning to be like Jesus. I've been in this journey since 1964. I still got a ways to go. Maybe some of you have noticed I'm not perfect. <laughs> Confess and receive his forgiveness and extend his forgiveness to others. This is part of the accepting, of the including. And we do not understand his forgiveness if we do not forgive others. The Lord has made that so plain. Read the Lord's Prayer and what follows in the teaching. It's so plain. There is one forgiveness. It flows from the heart of God. And when we refuse to forgive others, we are refusing the forgiveness of God. It's not that we are earning it. It's that there is only one thing. Matthew chapter 18 has a beautiful parable about that. Now, friends, we do not live in a germ-free church or world, but we do have a remedy. Following Jesus, depending on the Spirit, in loving obedience, 
and serving others. There it is. So as we conclude, loving Jesus, serving others. That's a beautiful saying, isn't it? Yeah. Always keep your eyes on your eyes on Jesus. Lift them higher. Now see, the Corinthians got fixated on this pastor or this teacher. And in the process, what they were doing was sowing disunity. You lift your eyes higher and understand that Christ is greater, more important, and is the only one who has the power to keep you on track. Second, always look at others through the eyes of Jesus. That means even the grumpiest person that you know, the person that you least like, look at them through the eyes of Jesus. What does that do? It recognizes how far you have to go and again humbles you and you say, Lord, help. And recognize that the loving eyes of Jesus will be on you always. And so my prayer, and I think you'll join me in it, is for a happy new year and a happy forever, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. Amen. So Lord, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word, for the scriptures which have been written for our instruction. And we want to be wise, O Lord, and not simply be hearers, but to be doers of the word. To be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock rather than the one who built his house upon the sand. And That means that, Lord, we recommit ourselves to being obedient to you, keeping our eye focused on you, looking at others the way you look at them. And knowing indeed that you are pleased, O oh Lord, to help us, to direct us, and to lead us on our way. Thank you, O oh Lord, for the gift of unity, for the Spirit is the Spirit of unity. And you tell us, O oh Lord, to seek peace and to pursue it. And so by your grace, we commit ourselves this morning to say, yes, Lord, may it be so.